Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at duconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. I'm Kevin Oakley, and today, live and in person, we have... Andrew Peak in person. This is weird. This I'm is weird. Right at we're you. in the same place. <laughs> we're at a table. Normally, we're at two different computers mm-hmm. uh, separated by five states at brought least. together by the power of the internet. The um, interwebs. Yes. Super cool. But now you're actually sitting across from me, <laughs> and I've been teasing him all day that he just has, you can't look at me while we do this. That's it's right, going to be too weird. Yeah. And we usually, we don't look at each other through like GoToMeeting or FaceTime. We're really, nope. it's like a phone call when we <laughs> record all the other podcasts. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite the change. So it's pretty why, cool. Why are we together, you might ask, in the same place at the same time? We are in Columbus, my, my hometown. Andrew came in to visit. Mm-hmm. And um, we're we're doing something new that we can't really talk about, but we're um, testing out some new. Um, I want to leave yeah. some mystery here. But what other even... word would you use to describe it? If you had to use one word to describe what we're doing, Ooh. awesomeness. I don't know what's a good <laughs> what's a good word to describe it while still being vague enough. It's not to an be offering. Mysterious. Yeah, it's not an offering. We're uh, as usual trying to elevate the conversation, just like there this you podcast. Go. I like that. Elevate, in a new way. elevate in a new way. Someone said that before. I'm not sure and that was. hopefully it doesn't involve you getting on a plane regularly like this does. <laughs> Here we guess. are together. Here we are. And it's story time. It is story time. And how about you go first? You were just in Guatemala. Yeah. That's took, exciting. I took my oldest two daughters, my eight year old and my eleven year old and my wife, and we went down to Guatemala for um, three and a half days and mm. just some time to give back and uh, one of her classmates uh, runs some feeding centers down there that they use local schools. Schools is used uh, a broad term. It's a building mm. that kids sit in, but uh, they can't get wow. much to eat down there. They eat tortillas, and so they get, he uh, he works to get them rice and beans and school supplies awesome. and lots of other great things. Yeah, Bob, if you're listening, hello. Thanks for having us. It was an awesome time. Uh, definitely would recommend. People were, all, people were asking today, even at, at dinner, did you feel safe? Were you scared for your life? And no, um, 500 yeah. murders a month there. So maybe I should have been, but it felt, felt safe. It's maybe always it's good to stretch yourself. Um, and so obviously it's good to do good, but it's also good just to, to stretch your comfort zone a little bit. Be bold, as Mr. Shore would say, um, with your life. So I my main takeaway is just to encourage everyone to get involved in some organization that you feel strongly about and do something other than just give, you know, a couple bucks here and there to, to the kettle at Christmas time or do whatever, you know, money's great, but getting personally involved, that's the millennial way to do it. Right, Andrew? That's get, right. Like, yeah. Give some time, give some time, give some give expertise some to organizations that matter that you care about. So that's, that's my Super story. Cool. No application other than um, live a good life. That's right. And <laughs> check out Kevin's videos on, I think it's on most of your socials. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, Instagram. And you can get a sneak peek behind the scenes as far as what Kevin did there. Yeah. Pretty oh, cool. and I need, I do need to give a shout out, uh, Carrie, uh, Roland and a third person I'm going to feel terrible about. Uh, but thank you so much. Uh, Carrie from Chesapeake Homes, Roland, uh, the famous, uh, sales trainer, and shoot, someone uh, all sponsored uh, children um, as a result of watching those videos. So thank you. Very that cool. was amazing. That so what cool. what life changing thing did you this, do this, this is, week? Andrew? You know, it's it's not quite as life changing. Um, <laughs> I I got Lindsay. Lindsay's my wife. I got her a August door lock, mm. which is the more popular one to use. So you could um, 
essentially the goal is for you not to have to ever touch your keys to leave your home and come into your home and have it locked. It usually works like that, but it's not <laughs> quite the same. So you know, it uses three different location technologies to try to figure out where you are. And it does it does so usually pretty good. So it uses Bluetooth, uh-huh. it uses Wi-Fi, and GPS. You have to give access through your phone uh-huh. to all those. So who knows what my battery life is now and same with hers. But it's been convenient so far. The only goofiness is sometimes if you want to, you open up the app on your phone and you check on the lock. If it's delayed, which sometimes it is, it actually is telling you the status of the lock. So a lock, but you're like, oh, I'm actually not locked. You're looking at your phone. That's not good. Then you click the button and you're sitting there like you're actually reversing what is actually happening. Mm, yeah, it does that sometimes with my security system, which I'm supposed to be able to, I can't do for my phone. Um, the same thing. It's like, you're like, oh, it's unlocked. Oh, no. Weird delay. And then I'm undoing sometimes I'm putting in the same yeah. security code. Yeah. But mm. if you don't touch it, it actually works really well and it's cool. Um, you leave the house and I wish you could set the distance, which is nice, but I have to go about two minutes down the road um, for me. And this is like a 30 mile an hour speed zone. So maybe it's like <laughs> a mile, maybe um, for it to start locking the door itself. So it just knows when both of you are gone to and lock automatically. Mm-hmm. But now I'm scared. Like, oh, what if I like forget my phone somewhere? I don't have my keys. And it's just like, this so there's no keypad scenario. for your, cause you use the, do- the ring, uh, doorbell. Yeah. The ring doorbell. Mm-hmm. So when they're coming and going, you, you can tell that when you're in your office, yes. right? Correct. I could see who's coming and going with the ring doorbell on the outside of the door. It's your regular deadbolt. Like it's a deadbolt okay. that came with the door. The inside, it's really just a motorized uh-huh. deadbolt on the inside, except it replaces the inside mechanism of yeah. the uh, of the deadbolt itself. They sell little separate key fobs then, or something that you can give to your kids if you don't, you, need, or you have to use your you phone. You have to use a phone, really, or a key, or a regular okay. key. So it's nice. Um, we needed some help with our schedules with different people come over to watch the kids or let the dog out. We could send them a key on the phone, and this is a digital key through the app. And invite them either as owner or a guest and we could set the parameters like okay they get this key for two days or the next week or infinite amount of time which Mm -hmm. is really cool because then we weren't leaving keys underneath the mat not that that is where we would ever leave a spare key at our house but (laughs) you know most people that's where they put it obviously so now you don't have to do that anymore so that part it is it is much more secure but it's it's cool and being in the times 2018 with the uh smart door lock and we have it hooked up to alexa which is interesting like you have to download the alexa skill yeah it's not as intuitive as it's they want not you to believe intuitive it to be. at all and those of you different who do skills the smart home stuff mm-hmm. as builders know that um getting people excited about technology yep is easy and then actually making sure that it works when they move in That's as smoothly as you're promising a lot of training and and return visits for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm, I've I've yeah. been watching this for a long time. I'm definitely tempted to get one. I'm waiting for that mechanism on the inside to get a little smaller. It is big, but this one, the newer ones, are much smaller than they used to be. It used to look like a bowling ball had to turn on the yeah, inside. Yeah, this, um, this is probably I'm looking around the room little, or something. Like this two size. coke cans put together, maybe inside. Yeah, it's like two coke cans. Yeah, yeah, and you can still use it manually with your hand. Um, it's like a big gear on a bike. So you turn it and you're like, Ooh, I really have to turn it farther. But that just gives it, I think more leverage to actually yeah, turn so it a smaller but, size motor. Yep. 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 Exactly. Very cool. It's All exciting. right. Well, that was, that was good story time. Let's move on to some news. Um, we talked a little bit about Zillow, uh, and their instant offer program that they're, um, they rolled out to their investors, let them know, let them know that it was happening. 
a couple weeks ago, and um, CEO Spencer was on Mad Money with Jim Cramer, and definitely would recommend you watch the whole video. Uh, you'll find it on Twitter and on CNBC in the show notes. Um, but the main takeaway for me that I, one particular genius thing was uh, Spencer talked about the fact that obviously they're getting leads from it. Um, obviously, if with their large amounts of, of information, they should be able to buy homes at the right price and know, you know, he mentioned like, hey, if, if we're going to put an offer in on a four bedroom home in this area of town, we know how many people are currently looking for that. And so that plus mm -hmm. the data we have tells us what we should pay and how fast potentially we could turn it around. But most importantly, uh, the new thing from that that interview that I saw was he talked about being able to pre-market the homes that they had before they had actually closed. Now, he never said closing, so how exactly they're going to do that, it's a little bit up in the air. But basically, mm -hmm. you know, if, if I'm Zillow and I'm going to buy Andrew's house, I'll make an offer. Andrew accepts it. And let's say we're not going to close on that home for 15, 30, 45 days, whatever that time period is. The genius part to me was Spencer said, hey, we have all the buyers. They come to our site anyway to do research and to look. So we have buyers coming in. If we buy Andrew's house and we know that we're going to close on it in 30 days, we can pre-market that home as coming soon. You know, It's not available right now, but here's the price. Here's the imagery. And it's going to be mm -hmm. available for purchase. Plus, it'll probably have a shiny approved by Zillow sticker Something saying oh, yeah. like an extra confidence thing. They haven't talked about that, but I imagine there's going to be some kind of just that brand loyalty and, and trust that they have in the name of, hey, this is the right the right home at the right price. I don't know. The smarter, that makes the sense. smart marketing guys over there at Zillow, Kristen, I'm talking about you. Um, they'll come up with something cool. <laughs> do they sell those homes directly? How do how are they? No, they are they selling are not. the homes. So that's so the other thing that, that is, is really. Um, Important to understand, especially if you're an existing used home person, mm -hmm. uh, is their premier agent programs connected to it. So they're not, they're going to still use agents to facilitate those transactions. Gotcha. So being part of their premier agent, which is where they make most of their, their money selling ads and, and, and in that premier agent system, you know, that's still going to be an added service. It's not like they're taking uh, stuff away from realtors at the moment. Of course, mm -hmm. you have to imagine at some point they get enough leverage, they're going to be like, hey, that 3% commission is going to be yeah, different. It, it's, uh, it almost like creates a <clears throat> Amazon type marketplace where you have Amazon has third party sellers mm -hmm. and they know what's selling. They have the data on what's selling and then they go and they have their own Amazon. Uh, what's Amazon called? Amazon Basics. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, we could sell iPhone chargers just as much as the rest of the other guys out there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, be interesting how that changes the... The rules for existing. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. And Spencer used the analogy of Netflix starting to make their own original content. Kind of, mm -hmm. this is this is like Netflix going into that, which is capital intensive. It's expensive. You know, they just signed up the Lord of the Rings oh, thing wow. for just the rights to it. I think were half a billion dollars. That let is alone, insane. and they have to go make wow um, something related to that. But it's going to be capital intensive. But if they can pre-sell those, and they're only actually holding on to it for a day or two, you know, he's hoping obviously to not have to hold on to it very long. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, realtors will still be involved in the program and from their original ad business to the, like, Hey, you should be part of this premier agent program is they know they're going to get more seller leads. So in the interview, Spencer says, most people are not going to accept their offer because it's going to be lower so we can make money on yep. it. But we're still going to know that these people want to sell. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be able to pass that lead along to premier agents 
to sell through the normal process if they don't want to use it. So either way, you used home win, win, win. salespeople, you win. Uh, but yeah, so that, I just right. thought that was that pre-marketing piece uh, in particular. I was just like, that is the uh, that's checkmate in terms of how brilliant of an idea it was to to move fast on that. That is that is specialists have the system system up. I'd imagine they'll be able to know like, okay, we're gonna go in and paint the house and all to have it just set up like beforehand, and people know what they're getting. <clears throat> and they're not gonna have to guess to which color to paint it, right? No, they're gonna be able to look at all the data. They're smart. Look at the images. I'm sure they have. Every. AI analyzing those images. Or if they don't, you should. Right. Zillow, get on that. <laughs> this is a good one because I feel like the Facebook drama is finally fizzling out of our lives, which is nice. And so this is, this is like a ending summary of the Facebook privacy explosion, even though there was, I, I think it was a week or two ago, I should have brought that up, where Facebook, um, I think I put it on my Twitter or something, Facebook was suspended. I think it was 400 apps from their um, yeah I did API access, something like that. 400 where they found I don't know if it was they were possibly using data the same way that Cambridge did, or they had the same type of access. I'm sure the wording in there was super careful of what they actually said in there. But four, and I'm sure they were not necessarily cautious and. Which apps they decide. I mean, it's just kind of like, no. hey, if you're potentially, then I'm sure you're you're out. Yep, you're done. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, but this was a great article sent over to us um, that actually said that the traffic and users, the unique users is the metric, which is super important um, versus just users itself, rose 7% following the Cambridge Analytica yeah. fallout. In, in April, when all this was going on, in the, in the middle of the... Yeah, when was the hearing? Yeah, I think the hearings were at the end of yeah, April. Yeah, right? it was April. Yep. Mm -hmm. So more time on site and higher unique user count despite, and so it's kind of like that old adage, right? Any press is good press, <laughs> good something press. like that. I don't know. Bad press is good press for that works, yeah. But yeah, the stock has has rebounded mm -hmm. uh, really well. Um, users, are, I, I do think there's a second freak out that is going to happen as the targeting options do start to go away. I think advertisers, not, not the mainstream media, not average yep. Joe USA, but I think advertisers are going to have a freak out. And um, those of you who have been on calls with us know that we have a plan. We have strategy in place to, right. to tackle that. But our hope is that most people just freak out and go away. So that's my hope too. Yeah, yeah. Give us give us that space. Lower that auction bid, make it all even more Which affordable. is not to go crazy into the strategy and the details, but it's the the strategies involved are almost more what's the word I'm trying to say? We have to use more machine learning type of things mm -hmm. to learn more even more about our users than we did previously. Whereas before we knew okay, likely to move. That's a super common one yep. that everyone used. That's going away. And now we're having to do things that gives us just as good an effect with our advertising and so we're actually going deeper into what yeah. people are doing which is so the trade-off is like the opposite a lot harder setup yes but the payoff is um like everyone else we're gonna let robots do the work let the robots <laughs> do the work <laughs> Once yeah it's ready oh goodness. good stuff yeah so uh i love this headline that just straight out of business insider it says the backlash that never happened. New data shows people actually increased their Facebook usage after the Cambridge Analytica scandal. So you can read that all in the show notes. And then um, the last one's kind of an update piece on, on the Google URL shortener 
talked about this a couple episodes ago that Google was um, phasing out the usage of the URL shortening tool. Um, the good news is if, as long as you have a Google account, you can still make those. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Either using the campaign URL builder, there's a little button at the bottom to create the short link, or you can use the Google URL shortener yep. vanilla. Um, and those will still be around for at least the next 12 months. I, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't give a definite date, but as long as you're using it... Um, with the, an account. With an account, yeah. Goo.gl. G-O-O.gl is yep. there. URL to get to that. And so I still, for the average user, um, I think it's still a good, I think it's still your best choice if you're if you're going free, just because the Google mm-hmm. brand name is trusted. It is. And so while the other one we're going to talk about here next, Bitly, is very common as well, I do think that there's something from the consumer's mindset that says when a link says basically Google slash whatever is after that, mm-hmm. they're going to they're gonna feel confident that this isn't sent into a marijuana, you know, mail order drug, mail order bride site <laughs> somewhere. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be legitimate. Um, you know, Bitly is out there as a, yep. as a free alternative. It yep. And it's, it's not bad. I mean, you can customize for free. You can mm-hmm. change what comes after, you know, bit.ly. Um, so you can have that be a blog post you name. That. Or, you can make an account as well to have like a place to hold mm-hmm. all of your URLs and it shows the traffic from people clicking on those um, the downside to, to that is one i've i for sure i've seen people who they basically use bitly like google analytics so when you say how's weird. that campaign doing they're like oh well i log into bitly and i see how many times people have clicked on that You're link crazy. and i'm thinking that's not why you made the utm send that <laughs> well that's URL. the thing and that's the other part of it is you have to make the utm first so you still yes. have to use the url campaign builder uh or some other tool, um, mm-hmm. like the one, the, the Excel sheet that you made for folks to create the full URL with the UTM coding of source, medium, yep. and campaign, and then paste it into Bitly because there's no native support for that, at least in the in the free version. Yep, I and then uh, we have not been able to easily confirm this pricing, but from the sources we can find online, um, the enterprise edition of Bitly, which just says call for quote, talk to us. Which That's is always code. frightening. That's code for it's, we're going after the Fortune 500 companies of the world and we don't want to scare away everyone else. Um, somewhere between 295 and 495 a month. Um, That's for two, the, 295. Yeah, yeah, and actually, not $2.95. The screen I'm looking at right now, it says the startup is 495 for 20,000 shortened links a month, unlimited branded wow. links, 90 okay. day analytics. So they they throw away your they data after 90 days makes for no sense, two though. That's like for such a month. small amount of space on their hard drive to mm-hmm. keep I don't, that info. I don't, I don't get that at all. So paying for that service doesn't make much sense. We talked about um, this other alternative that, that we're using currently at Do You Convert mm-hmm. is Rebrandly. R-E, well, you'll see in the show notes. Uh, Rebrand, Rebrandly. It's um, $29 a month if you go month to month. It's $24 a month if you pay in advance, which still is not inexpensive for the simplicity of what you're doing, which is shortening a link. But what I do like about Rebrandly is one, there's a Chrome plugin. So if you're on a page, you can oh, just push nice. that button and you don't have to log in somewhere else and make it. Uh, but the other thing is that it does have UTM coding built into it. So when you paste in that link or hit the Chrome plugin on that same screen, you can just drop in UTM codes. You can even save presets. Oh. So you don't have to retype in all, just like your Excel sheet does. It just saves That's, everything that you've done before, yep. which is very very handy and 
it is branded. So in our case, we're using now.doconvert.com as the first part. And then anything we put after that slash, you know, episode 14 slash marketing slash um, brain freeze, whatever we want to put after that. And so the idea there is on Instagram posts in places where it's hard to remember, the reason I like that is if it's all plain English and there's no garbage yeah. gook, there's no dot L Y, no, you know, the stuff mm-hmm. that's confusing. I'm not saying everyone's going to do it, but it's realistic that you could retype that in, especially if you're yeah. someone who's seen that content over and over again. That's right. So, and then like why, why now dot do you convert? Do you ask Andrew? Why now dot do you convert yeah. dot com? <laughs> why guy, now? This goes back to the a joke that I still tell my client every once in a while. I'm like, do you convert is the company that's also a question. Like that should be our alternate tag. The company that's also, also a, question. a question. Do you convert? I like it. Do so you convert? since we mostly use it for shortening um, content that we're making or giving away, I just thought it was fun to kind of continue that question of saying like, now do you convert? Like now here's some more content. Convert. Now do you convert? I get it. I like it. You get it? And it's Now do you convert? And it's short. Did you just try to make a jingle there? Were you singing? We need to make a jingle. Can we make a deconvert jingle? Andrew Please. does play the guitar, folks. I do. And there's a guitar over here. There is. That's my dog. Right behind me. It. She will get me. <laughs> the kids are asleep. We don't want to wake them up. Okay. So, again, just wrap up. Keep using uh, the Google shortener, I think, if you want a free yeah. one. If you do want either uh, more plain English, because you can also, with Ray Brandley, you could just buy a different domain altogether and only yeah. use that mm-hmm. um, if you wanted something shorter. But if you want to kind of up your game there uh, in preparation for whenever Google finally turns that off, um, I think Rebranding is a pretty darn good choice. If you've got something else that you love um, to use, let us know. We'll, we'll put in the show notes and talk about it uh, in a future episode. Perfect. All right. Let's take a quick break. We can actually go, we can actually go get a drink. Or we can. Take do, a real break. Like Take a real break. We'll be right back with this week's 360 <laughs> topic discussion. Google Analytics Basics. I know it doesn't sound compelling, but we promise we'll make it fun. Be right back. And we're back. Live in my basement. Live in the basement. It's actually, it's a really nice basement. You can say that it's almost like, what's that movie where you put, it puts the lotion on the skin where it's creepy. What? What is that? Is that Lord? You're talking about Lord of the Rings. No, no, no. Wait, this is before my time. Um, Oh, oh, Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. I mean, it's my time, but it's not. When did that come out? I need to Google it. I don't know. I was probably nine What does that have to do with my basement? Well, basement that's like, sounds creepy. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I think it might be because I'm from Florida and you don't have basements. <laughs> and it's like, oh, the basement. Oh, that's like. Yes. No, you're right. Just like the word lot. Basement is a bad yes. word. We like to say finish lower level. Finish lower level. I like it. Yes. Walk out, finish lower level. Exactly. All right. Stunning. The 360 topic this week is Google Analytic Basics. But we're going to try to do this in a fun way. So. We have just decided right now at 11.57 at night Boom. that we are going to try to use um, you visiting McDonald's, McDonald's as yeah. an analogy for most of the very basic terms that still cause some confusion. Yes. So that will fix it. Let's start with um, what is a user? A user is someone at McDonald's. 
This is right? Gonna be, yes. I'm going to love this. This is amazing. This is yes. great. So yeah. Someone at McDonald's. Anyone at McDonald's. <laughs> that will work. So anyone at McDonald's is a user. If you go to McDonald's at any you're, point. At any point, you're a you user. are a user. The same person. It kind of makes McDonald's sound like a, a drugstore, not a I know. fast food place. But I'm yes. User. So if you go to McDonald's, you are a user. Now, mm-hmm. if, if I go to McDonald's three times this week. Yes. Use uh, use Google analytic terms to describe okay. that. So you're still a user every <laughs> single time you go, right? Because you're still a person that doesn't change. But each time you go is a new session. So each which visit. Each visit. Through to, the McDonald's drive through Every time you order right. at McGriddle, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I happen to love McGriddles, McGriddles by the way. McGriddles are the best. Pancakes and bacon. And it's right. like, there's nothing wrong with it. That's perfect. So you're still one person. Mm-hmm. So so you're you're saying you know if I go three times, that's still yep. one user. You're only one yep. person. You didn't become three people on each day. So Correct. you're you're one user. You're one. But you also have three sessions. You're three sessions. So that would, if you looked at a report, that would actually say three sessions with one user. Correct. So so that that's let's, let's go deeper into this rabbit hole All now right. over a two week period of time. Mm-hmm. If I only went to McDonald's through the drive-through three times on the second week, and once on the first week, it's two different weeks. Two different weeks. My reporting time frame is I'm only looking at week two. Okay, you're came, only working at week two. I'm only looking at week two okay. in, in in the reports. Yes, but I went last week and I came this week. Last am week I a, am I a new user in week two? So when you add that new word before user it puts that time frame as the um i'm trying to think of a mcdonald's your first as your that's like the first time they're kind of like excluding anything before that and after that so if i came in week one yes and i came back in week two Mm -hmm. i'm not going to be classified as a new user right Mm -hmm. only people who came in in week two are new correct with that time frame, if yep. I'm thinking correctly, with I've got this is where analogies uh, my, late at night on my brain now may not work out. Yes, it's where that the so people that visit McDonald's for the first time in the selected date range in that second week. So and that and that yes in that second week the first time. I don't know if this analogy thing's working it's, out. <laughs> it is confusing. Yeah. So that's, but that is a very confusing one. Let's the just use months. Point. So I'm pulling up Google Analytics right now. Mm-hmm. It's uh, this podcast will go live on the 25th yep. of May. So I'm looking at the month of May data. Users who came in for the first time in May mm-hmm. and did not come in in April will be counted as new users. You're still going to see unique users Correct. or users mm-hmm. as a as a collection of everyone that came in May. But people who came for the first time in May will be new. And it is date. It is device specific, and they're tracking that for up to two years Woo. in terms of return visitor. It's a long time. So it's not uncommon for you to see, you know, fifteen, twenty percent, twenty five percent, thirty percent return visitors, um, because you're not going to get everybody coming back. Obviously, just the people who are most interested in what you have mm-hmm. uh, going on there. But it also could be bad if you saw 80% return visitors because that might just mean you don't have enough new blood in the system. That's right. So if McDonald's, yeah, enough with that analogy. 
Moving on. So <laughs> moving on. Now that we've thoroughly confused you or made you hungry for McDonald's, go get some if you're listening in the car. Yeah, or McDonald's send us some gift cards to send to people in Guatemala who really need food. Um, <laughs> Uh, what we want to do now is just go through the built-in reports. Yes, uh, built-in reports, I said, that are part of Google Analytics. Andrew just learned it, something. It's not amazing. Did you know there's actually reports and analytics they build for you? Um, I know that sounds smart, but I had no idea if you log into your analytics account, on the left side, right where it says home and then customization, this is like the menu that you're used to on the left side, it actually says reports above real-time audience acquisition all the all the other ones in there yeah i had no idea that that was there kevin so just pointed all, out to me yeah that it, is right it's, there it's rare that i get to teach andrew anything um but those are just pre-built reports and so That's all it is. um you've heard andrew from lunametrics and others talk a lot about you can set up a custom report for anything you want pretty much anything. if, if the mm-hmm. data is in analytics um in that customization and report report building tab but these are all the pre-built ones. So since this is the basic analytic discussion, what we're going to do is we're just going to go through audience uh, acquisition, behavior, and conversion and talk about the things that we like to look at regularly. So this is just kind of the the best of the basic places to go or the places right. you should find yourself going regularly mm-hmm. when you're using analytics. So starting with audience, we're going to skip real time because there's really not much. There's not much. Although what I use it for is if I'm testing um, mm. conversion tracking. And just making sure that like it's picking up the data I want or finding what I'm troubleshooting. So that's really what it's for is troubleshooting. Unless you're working for, you know, a top 10 builder where you just have large volumes of yeah, real time no people. But most of most of the people listening probably have at any given time somewhere between five and 20 people on their site. Yep. If that at times. And so it's not going to do you much good. So skip into audience. Um which is, as you would expect, a description or, or data based upon who, who is your audience, mm-hmm. uh, demographic information, uh, geographic information, some psychographic information in terms of uh, interest. But when we open up the audience uh, uh, menu there on the left, Andrew, what are your, yep. what are your favorite places to go look? I go to um, Geo. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. And we actually had a really cool scenario with this last week. Or maybe it was this week. Yeah, it was this week. Um, we were looking at it and we, we found some. We were like, oh, why is there people? I believe it was Virginia. Um, and the builder was not in Virginia or anywhere near Virginia. There was traffic coming from. And so it just gave us some. Uh, we actually found it through that way. Yeah. And, and so what, and it gave and, some insight as far as, oh. And it wasn't that there was it. someone relocating in there. It was that nope. there was a town um, in Virginia that had a very similar everything but one letter was the same mm-hmm. for a city name in this other state. Yep. And so what was happening, the, the way that we were pinpointing this was essentially bad or something was inaccurately sending traffic there is we did a secondary sort, uh, yep. secondary dimension and looked at um, the... Uh, was it where the people were coming from and uh, source, bounce source, rate? Yeah, source medium and uh, time on site because oh, it's time on we site. saw, again, pattern recognition, which we talked about last week, I think. Um, you know, we said, hey, uh, most of these geographies are sending traffic that's spending and that are outside of the state the builder was in. You know, traffic was staying on on there for about two minutes. Mm-hmm. The traffic from Virginia was spending about 24 seconds and then they were out of there because like, wait, this is not this a is not West a- Coast state. Uh, nope. Uh, it's not what I was expecting to, to find. I was looking for a place in Virginia. So 
Yeah, geography is a good one. I, I like, um, I don't spend a lot of time in there, but um, the interests and then in-market categories. You know, yeah, you're that's gonna, pretty cool. You're going to use in-market categories to target people in AdWords, um, YouTube, uh, and the like. But I also like to look at it as just a check overall. You know, if you click on in-market segments and the top one is not real estate, um, then that could mean that you have some more digging to do in and figure out you know, why, why are the people, again, in market just means they're in the market to buy a home, yep. in the market to buy a car. Uh, for home builders, you still will see, you know, everyone, any, any business, but you'll still see stuff in there that kind of doesn't, you'll be surprised, like likes to go to movies, um, yep, or travel, home, home decor. It's, it's, you know, that's related. That right? is related. So, you know, it's not as close as, you know, cause there's in market audience where it's like residential properties for sale. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, that's definitely it. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I like using that as a check just to see the quality mm -hmm. of the traffic that I'm getting to the site. Um, I also like to look at mobile. Yes, which, I was going to say you know, mobile, mobile, mobile. And the big one there, not, I mean, everyone likes to use the quote about what percentage of your traffic is coming from mobile. Of course, just assume the majority. This is a late night thought, but does it matter? What percent? Oh, you're trying to rabbit trail that. Should, we should rabbit talk about trail. Like, it, no. it is what it is, right? It is what it is. It and is your site is. shouldn't be mobile or desktop. You it don't have to, you know, I mean, to you, work. It just yeah. has to work all the time and be yeah. visible all the time. So, yes, I'm not going to I'm not gonna fall for that because <laughs> we're not going to be done here until one in the morning. But, yeah. So, what I like to look at, though, as a way to encourage builders who are concerned about, I don't know if I have the money to do a redesign or to fix something on the mobile site. Mm -hmm. It's very frequent that you will see that your mobile conversion rate is half or worse of your yep. desktop. And you can argue with me that maybe when the people are more serious, they're going to get on their laptop or desktop and, and they're going to spend more time. But I've definitely seen instances where that is not the case, um, mm -hmm. where time on site is actually the same or very similar on mobile. And there are websites that are converting the same percentage. Yep. Um, so I just... And the nice thing about that is you can run a math, you can, you can run a calculation then for your president, division president, someone who's saying, no, we can't afford it and say, well, if we could get our mobile conversions to match the desktop conversions, here's the lead volume, appointment volume and sales volume that is likely mm -hmm. to come out as a result. And yeah. trust me, it's going to cover your twenty to $50,000 website. Yeah, you can't <laughs> afford not to at that point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yep. I think that covers everything. Those the are audience. the big ones. Yeah, for for me, when I'm looking underneath the audience, of course, the dashboard uh, overview underneath audience is going to give you all of your main metrics. The one thing I will say, we'll only say this once, is that whenever I'm in analytics, the default view that I want to see is the the previous month or the current 30 days compared to that same time period one year ago. Oh, so a okay. year year over year comparison, for sure, we'll go in and look at things. Uh, you know. May versus April uh, to do some other spot checking, but generally mm -hmm. you want to try to take the seasonality, compare apples to apples. So if you're trying to compare months where drop off hits like May compared to April or um, February to January, uh, January to December, we're going to see wild swings just because of the seasonality. So year over year is the best place to start. Yep. All right, moving on to acquisition. Acquisition. I think we could say everything because um, this is, this is, Everything. Outside of conversions, this is this is everything. But this, yeah, this acquisition is, is where are we acquiring visitors from? Uh, what sources, mediums, uh, and campaigns? Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. overview, everything, everything. The one thing I would say in the overview, 
that's a that's an easy one to talk about is the mm -hmm. little pie chart that it shows up when it shows your top channels. If it looks like you only have three slices in your pie, that's a that's another sign that you've got some work to do or, or opportunity if you want that's to right. look at it positively. More slices. But it's like it's like in the stock market, if you were all in on three stocks and that was your entire mm -hmm. retirement plan, how would you feel about that? So Diversifying. Diversification. You want it to look like there are multiple slices, uh, not just two big ones and, and the rest. So this example that we're looking at here, you know, they've got 43% from uh, their number one source, 20% from their second, 10% from their third, and then eight to 5% on about uh, whatever the math is left, four or five others. Um, and so there's, it's a pretty rainbow. There's lots of diversification there. It's very pretty. Um, so let's just talk then instead about the different columns here real quick, Andrew. So we already talked about users, new users, and sessions with our McDonald's analogy. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to freak out about bounce rate. Tell me mm. what you think about what, when is bounce rate important? When is it not important? Is there a threshold that you have? Definitely, definitely. So bounce rate, you have to use it again with, with pattern recognition as far as seeing what is different. So take your average bounce rate for like the entire website and then look at your traffic sources. So going from that's best to worst, um, your organic and, and, bounce yeah, rate. Organic better be your best. It better be your best. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so if that's at say 20 to 30%, you're good. And then from there, you'll see it increase, but that's normal. Like that, that is okay. And then you'll, you'll probably see paid search. Mm -hmm. um, typically that really needs to be like the 40 to 50, 60, you know, five range. to 10% above organic, um, maybe 15%, yeah. but not much higher than that is, is pretty it, typical. It should be the same type of searches or similar searches if it's too high. Um, and if you have your AdWords and analytics account linked up, you'll be able to see like at the campaign and keyword level, the different bounce rates. So if you're running, um, say for example, keywords that target existing homes, and then keywords that target new homes, you'll see the existing home keywords actually have a much higher bounce rate. Mm -hmm. So depending on how you're spending your money, your your PPC uh, bounce rate could be a little bit higher than it probably should be. Yep. So you might need to adjust your keywords there. To simplify, well, before we skip to, the, to my next thought is, um, when it comes to AdWords or paid search, if your bounce rate is significantly higher and you're targeting the right keywords, which is of course a big assumption, but assuming you're doing the right keywords, mm -hmm. if your bounce rate's high, it's probably that you're choosing the wrong pages to send them to. Yes. Organic search is going to more accurately send them to the place where it thinks they're trying to go. Mm -hmm. AdWords, you know, you're making the ad look like where they want you to go, yeah. but you may be choosing to send them to a specific community instead to Ooh, yeah. a submarket overview page or going too, too deep or too shallow, wherever the customer's not expecting to go and causing an extra bounce to. But uh, in order to save time and, and move through this, what I would say is that the further up the funnel, so earlier in the searching behavior of the user, or if there's no searching involved and you're displaying something to them, like on paid social mm -hmm. display ads, expect higher bounce rates yep. because those people are not yet showing the same level of intent to purchase a home or be interested in what you're trying to say as people further down the funnel. If you had, if, I'm, if I had to right now, Say, pick a bounce rate that makes you feel uncomfortable. That bounce rate. Do you have a number? Um, above 65. I was going to say 65, 70. Um, 
and depending on the source, I still might be okay with it. Again, you still have to look at everything in relation to everything else. You can't just look at bounce rate. Yeah. Bounce rate's high, but your conversion rate is 10%. Yeah, say for like a oh, yeah. coming soon landing page, you mm -hmm. would expect that. Yep. But for your homepage, you would be something that's wrong. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly right. Um, average session duration, just real quickly, similar. You have to look at all those things together. Mm -hmm. But again, a short session with high conversions is perfectly okay. If people are filling out the form in a minute and a half, yep. don't cry that they're not spending five minutes anymore on your site. If you're getting more leads, more conversions, it, the time on site is not the end all be all Correct. Uh, that a lot of people have talked about it being for a long time inaccurately. Um, Robin Steiff, the, the founder of Lunametrics, uh, taught me that many, many years ago that sometimes it just means they're lost if they're on there for 15 minutes. They don't know what to do because you're not telling them. What, That's what right. To do next. And a minute and a half is a long time. We'll have a minute and a half moment of silence right now just to show you <laughs> how long that is. No, it's, it's actually a long. That's if you're thinking in terms of like a song, that's the intro. And that's probably the whole chorus of a song. Mm -hmm. That's and that's a lot. Like, so they're spending time on your website. So I don't know. It's it's all in context. You have to look at it exactly against each other. So all traffic is a breakdown uh, of the overview. It's just overview in a different visual format. AdWords is if you have AdWords linked, you're going to be able to see basically your entire AdWords account data for the most yep. part which in analytics, mm -hmm. which you should. Um, you just want to be be understanding that other people who have access to your analytics account but may not have access to the AdWords account, if they're linked and you're giving an outside party access to your analytics, they can also see what you're paying per keyword, um, yep. what, you know, they can see all that same data that you may be trying to keep close to the vest. So just be aware of that. A lot of people don't understand that. Um, search console, you can look at organics uh, queries that are, are the actual, some of the actual search terms, although um, search console itself is going to give you more data and we'll talk about that more on another episode. Um, and then campaigns really is the other big one here, right? That, yep. That campaigns. You so if you're using UTMs, um, which properly, you are, which you better be because you're listening, <laughs> then you could pull up all of the campaigns against each other there. Um, mm -hmm. they're all, they'll be all the only right confusing there. part here is if you have AdWords linked, you're going to see it's, a whole lot probably. Uh, of, yeah. You're going to see more campaigns from, from AdWords in there because those are created automatically. Correct. Versus you having to manually create UTM's uh, campaign uh, mm -hmm. for, for everything else. But this is a great way to look at, uh, you know, one thing just that I've noticed is that, again, that overall submarket uh, Facebook ad performs generally way better than that community specific one, even though it someone does. in your organization is crying and demanding that you do one for a specific community. It's a psychological thing. It's yeah. not a results thing because that, that's not as good. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to behavior. behavior. Uh, My favorite. Yeah. This is like where I'd say you troubleshoot mm -hmm. a, a slow community. Yep, Perfect. we talked about this one on the How to Fix a Broken Community episode. episode still the highest uh, listened episode too, episode number four. So cool. If you missed that one, go back and check it out. But um, yeah. Uh, site content, all pages. Now this is going, we're not going to use a McDonald's analogy, but we should, we should use something. All pages means all pages that are viewed by a user in any session. So that's like the menu. <laughs> yes, exactly. So what you have to be careful of if you don't understand is that when you're looking at all pages and you pick, um, that isn't, that is not the page that they are being sent to first. That's the correct landing page. That is the landing page. This is every page that has ever been viewed and the count. So if they viewed um, a floor plan, 
say 10 people viewed one floor plan 10 times, you would see that that page had 10 page views. Yep. Not that they went to that page first, but they navigated to it. Yep. From a previous And I'll page. use Columbus just because that's where I'm from. But if I did a Google search for uh, New Homes, Powell, Ohio, and then I ended up browsing to a Hilliard community page, in this report, it would show that I looked at the Hilliard community page and it would show the source medium as organic because I got to the site originally. My landing page mm -hmm. was a search result for New Homes in Powell. I ended up navigating to the Hilliard page. So that's the confusing thing if you don't understand the difference between landing page and all pages is when you look at the source medium there, that doesn't mean that's the thing that sent them to that page. That's just how they got to the site as a whole first. Yes. Um, so I do I site, site um, content, all pages, and then doing a secondary uh, mention of source medium is just an all-time favorite go-to. Yeah. That's a default. But double check that with your landing pages. Do that same process with the landing pages. Mm -hmm. um, or if you're trying to troubleshoot um, a source medium error that you think something's missing, mm -hmm. I'm going to see what pages are landing pages and saying that would be weird if people are getting there first if it's not coming from an ad. Correct. So that can help you. That could also be a quick check like that landing pages report as far as like, oh, how much, why is, is this submarket getting more traffic initially? Mm -hmm. um, then another one, so it's a good place to go. Oh, well, this only got 200 page views directly as a landing page. Yep. Another community or submarket got a thousand page views. So of course. So these are behavior reports, user behavior, what they're looking at, what they're interacting with on the website. The other really big one here for me is just the events, and there's a couple different mm -hmm. um, sub reports within that main uh, events report. But essentially, these are interactions with the website or goal conversions, uh, not necessarily mutually exclusive there. Yeah. But this is when you're, you can set up an event for pretty much anything. But oftentimes, they are for clicking submit on a form, uh, creating a pop-up to happen of some type, uh, hitting play on a video are all very common events. Phone calls. Uh, can be tagged as offline events, but they'll still show up under events here. So um, events is another important one. If you don't have goal conversion set up uh, properly underneath conversions or in, in goals in the admin, mm -hmm. some people use events as kind of a cheap and dirty way of just looking and say, oh, okay, I have 100 phone call events and they don't ever even use conversions or goals. Not That's saying right. you should, but some people do. Yeah, kind of. The Kind of weird. Yeah, the, if you have conversions, then you can have that data against the other reports, mm -hmm. which is you cannot have event data amongst other reports yeah. in there. But the one we're looking at here, they have an event category called leads. And so I can click on that lead event category. Then I can do a secondary dimension sort on source medium and figure out of those 62 web form leads, where is that traffic coming from? All right, moving on to conversions. That's right. Let's bring this train home. We've got goals which is so confusing that needs to be its own episode. Goal, I know. Yeah, goals, what is a goal, goals. conversions, how to set that oh. up properly. And why do they have a different name? I have an <laughs> idea. Yeah, because so agencies can confuse people that's right. on their reporting. That's well, why. that's not a conversion, that's a goal. Yeah. What are you saying? What? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you've got um, overviews, which, I mean, the most important thing here as a summary is just that goals uh, should really only be conversions unless you get really smart later on, but just don't, don't start there. 
Yeah. Keep can, that simple. Yeah. Web forms, phone calls, text messages. It's maybe three. Maybe three. Well, you might have multiple forms, and so yeah, you'd have you different have multiple goals. But in yeah. terms of um, grouping those together, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, a, a handful is all you need there. Some of the things that we love here, though, um, that are extra special are underneath multi-channel funnels. Mm -hmm. So goals, if you have it set up, whatever you have set up as a goal, you'll be able to see that, see where on the site that goal was completed, um, on what visit, from what source they came from, all those things. But underneath multi-channel funnels, underneath goals, there's two super awesome things. And yeah. even today or yesterday, I, I found out something new. I don't know if they added or I just never noticed oh. before. But um, Andrew, when they added the attribution, mm -hmm. this is us talking to each other now while you guys are listening. That's right. Really thrilling podcasting. Um, there is a box at the top that you set the number of days prior to conversion that mm -hmm. appeared after attribution came along. And that's now underneath assisted conversions and top conversion paths. I have as well. Notice that. And so when you click assisted conversions, the first thing you want to do is at the top of the screen, uh, change that uh, date frame. By default, it's going to be 30 days. So it's going to say everyone that converted in May or the last 30 days. Um, and I'm going to look an additional 30 days before they converted and see what other sources they used for their multiple visits. So my first visit came from organic. Uh, then a week later, I came back from a Facebook ad. Then the third uh, week after that, I came back from an email. Mm -hmm. um, assisted conversions will show and give credit to all of those previous pieces as being part of that customer journey. Yeah. But you and home building, we need, unfortunately we can only do 90 days, um, which really just gets us millennial data for the most part. Millennials are spending on average three months looking boomers up to six months. We can't go back any further than 120 or 90 days. So make sure yep. you push it to 90. So you're getting the most data possible. But when you do that, you will learn what is helping and assisting that customer journey. And you will find that social media um, and other things that don't get many last conversion credits. What do I mean by last conversion, Andrew? Last would be, so this gets into attribution, which mm -hmm. is the big A word. Um, <laughs> as far as like, how are you modeling the who gets credit? So if someone clicks, back to Kevin's example, if he clicked a Google ad in January, and then a Facebook ad in February, and then a Google search in March, and then direct in April. That's four different pathways to the site, And but he converted in April. That's the last click. So that would be, in my example, I was direct. So it's like, oh, well, direct converts. Well, he learned about us from Google yeah. in January, and then we supported that journey in March, and then he Googled us again um, in in March, I got my month confused, February, March. And then it came back in April when they finally, he finally decided to reach out to us. Yep. So what this assisted channel default report lets you look at is in that 90 day window prior to them converting, what other sources were used? And it will show you how many um, times a particular source like social media, paid social, organic assisted, meaning it was part yep. of that customer journey prior to becoming the last click that created a conversion. Um, so I love that one. And, and the other tricky thing is if you set up custom channel grouping or adjusted the default channel grouping, mm -hmm. when you are in the conversion reports, this is the only part of Google Analytics where you will have to click every time to, to go back to the default channel grouping. Uh, yep. It has its own set of multi-channel funnels. It's for e-commerce people, why they do that. So just click over to default channel grouping 
Um, if you're a do you convert um, client or you set up custom channels from looking at Andrew's blog, which you should go back and read, um, just make sure you're clicking that so that you can actually see syndication, paid paid social, et cetera, yep. as we've set it up. And then top conversion pass just shows you what that customer journey looked like um, for the, for the uh, so as an example, I'll just use an example. What I'm looking at here is an organic search followed by a direct visit to a conversion. That is the highest and best conversion path for this particular builder, followed by paid search and then direct. Um, and then number three is uh, paid social, paid social, paid search, direct. So those are the top three customer journeys. And again, you have to, I didn't, because I'm trying to do it quickly, but you didn't want to reset to the full 90 days in front to see mm -hmm. that. And here's the other tricky one that they just added is path length. So by default, the path length requires that there are two or more visits. Um, and so you will not even count uh, first visits. So you want to play around with the path length and, and really just include all. Um, and that will open up a whole new world that you have to go explore it's a yourself. A whole but new world. It's awesome. And then lastly is attribution, which um, basically will let you do some math to give credit, weighted credit. I was not great in math in college. I, I use a calculator for everything. But if you're if you understand the terms of weighted averages, um, weighting um, values of different mm -hmm. things, there's different attribution models that can let you give higher weight or credit to the sources that were closest to that actual conversion. Or you can say, no, I want to give more credit to the first source that brought them to my site in the first place. So something that's not likely to be a converting source, but is important for them discovering you in the first place, like social media, mm -hmm. I'm going to give that more credit because it's, and then there's versions of between where you're going to split between first and conversion. So that's definitely another fun one to go play in. Just make sure you set that time frame to 90 days and choose default channel. Group. That's right. And I would venture to say that that is discussed sometimes attribution, and then it is the least acted upon to change. Um, just because it is, you have to decide like, okay, what is the tipping point? What gets most weight? And then how do you support that decision? Um, but I think it's also the coolest one to look at because all of those are very important as far as you know, just Facebook over a month or two months and then Google at the beginning and then going back to the site at the end. It's all important. I don't know. So there's, yeah, it's my, like, my favorite one, right is the, one is the first and last. First I and think, last. Yeah. You know, um, to me, they have to have found you in the first place and ideally the sooner they find you and the more different ways they can find you and the better content you have, the more mm -hmm. you, you should be able to lock them in if they should be your customer in the first place. Um, so there's definitely value to getting them early in that, in that shopping process. And then of course the conversion is important too, but that's my favorite is, is the first and last or the, uh, and then it, it weights everything in the middle evenly. Yep. Yeah. That's a fun one. That's, that's a nerdy one there. That like is, it. that is nerdy. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's wrap up with uh, responses to last week's question of the week. This is actually from two weeks ago because we didn't record one when I was in Guatemala. So um, you've had a little bit of extra time to, to answer this question, which was, how often are you able to get out and visit the communities or homes you do the marketing for? Do you find the time well spent or not? Um, Beth Ann says, there's often a divide or lack of understanding between sales and marketing, but being that I went from marketing to sales, back to marketing, 
I see a greater impact when we work together. I visit on-site as often as I can, attend meetings, and have a great relationship with our sales teams. Heck, I even cover the models when we need help. Now, Beth, that might be... It's not going too far, right? You want to be a good team member. But if you got to do that regularly, we got to figure out a different way to staff models because right. uh, you in particular, if you sell 90 homes one month and 100 homes another month, I think you've got some things to do as a one-person team. But I like your team spirit. <laughs> um, better yet, I have a true right. understanding of our product and the way the buyers look at our product. That's the biggie. You know, Just hearing buyers' perspectives and, and kind of um, hiding around the corner and listening to what they say about different options and, and, and layouts of floor plans, that's all definitely good feedback. Good stuff. Then we have uh, Murray. I try to hit at least one to two of our eight sites per week. I find it to be really productive. Sometimes our area sales managers decide to take things upon themselves, which doesn't always coincide with our brand and needs to be corrected. Plus, you plus you never get a second chance to make a first impression. So being out on site, make sure that expectation is set. Yeah. So you know, he's, he's getting to every community basically once a month almost, which is... Wow. That's a that's great, Murray. Um, if you can do it, if if your communities are close together, um, then they got to do that. Amanda um, says day in and day out, being responsible for personally working in a model home. Again, we've, we've seen a trend here. This is you know we we see this mm-hmm. a lot on the online sales side where they're like, hey, online salesperson, can you just like sit in a model while you call so people really? back or answer the phone? Just not the best best of use of your time uh, interacting with customers directly in a model home versus interacting with a salesperson who you're learning and getting market research and data and insight from. Mm-hmm. Both are good. Just be careful there. We're seeing a trend in these answers. We are. Renee says, in an ideal world, I would do a visit each community once a week or even once a month. Uh, it can be hit or miss for time well spent. Some of the sales reps find it valuable. Others are more, hey, I need you to get business cards. How long will this take? And uh not that they don't value the time, they're just they're just busy. I found it getting harder and harder because what works with my schedule does not work with theirs. That is, that can't that can definitely be a struggle. So my plan of weekly and even once a month trips gets pushed back again and again. That's tough when you're trying to um, again another situation where this is a basically a one one person show. Uh, there's a lot to do. Victoria mm-hmm. closing us out. Read that one for us. Close us out with Victoria. All the time, exclamation point. I visit the models that are still under construction. Whoa. For our coming soon community, at least once a week. I think it's very important to have a good understanding of what makes your homes unique and why people love them in order to market them effectively. You have to experience them in order to do that. I work closely with our sales manager multiple times a week because she truly has the best understanding of our buyers. Plus, we ultimately have the same goal, so it's mutually beneficial. All right. So the patterns there are, hey, people are trying to get out weekly, at least monthly. And my recommendation would be at least twice a month, get out or visit two to three communities a month. Um, if you can hit multiple ones in one visit, that's good. But um, And for the majority, definitely saying it's worth it. And I agree. I mean, you've got to see what's going on, inspect what you expect, all that. But there's also the relationship side mm-hmm. of sitting down with a, with a sales rep and actually letting them know that you understand what their challenges are and explain how you can help them. So that's also important. Well, okay. So this is, this is pulling on my heart string, not my heart strings. It's, it's, um, it's like a flashback. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to, I'm going to vote Victoria simply because coming soon communities, um, no one else except for marketing will understand how much of your time. Like I remember the first time we were in a parade of homes, mm-hmm. I went to that house like, yeah, at the end, four times a week. Oh, wow. 
just prepping for it, making sure the signage is installed, everything's mm -hmm. right. The decorator's crying because she doesn't have time to get blah, blah, blah done. Um, so that, you know, if you don't have someone else managing the decorator, especially model homes and coming soon communities can be, so just, I feel your pain, Victoria, on that one. I know you say you enjoy it, but it's still, it's still a lot of work. At least once a week. I like it. All right. This week's question of the week, which report or data point in analytics do you find either the most useful or the most confusing? So either one. Talk about what you're using the most and find the most use for, or that thing that you just don't understand, like our McDonald's analogy. <laughs> Other than McGriddles are great. Exactly. All right. That'll do it for us this week. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out the new and improved doyouconvert.com. No, we didn't refresh it. We it's just super fast. We upped the speed. So average site load time is now 1.2 seconds. So after I crashed it, for a half hour, it all got better. <laughs> no one knew about that. It's also the best way to find out how you can connect with us on Facebook, Insta, and all the rest. The entire team uh, who we can now announce. Becca Thomas. That's right. Formerly of Super Keystone exciting. Homes in North Carolina has mm -hmm. joined the Deconvert team. Her first day was Monday this week. Um, she was with them for five years and she's pretty much done it all for them. She's That's right. Every call that she was on, she was like slacking me in the background saying, yeah, I, I've done that for my builder like two years ago, Kevin. Good job for you. No, it was it was great. She had a lot of good insight, jumping right in. And um, she's even more organized than the rest of us. So She's quite organized. It's impressive. And just adds extra horsepower to us on the marketing side. So now we're, we're a team of four on the marketing side. We've got Jackie, cool. Andrew, myself, and Becca. And then, of course, we've got Jen and Mike on the online sales side. So... Uh, reach out to us. All of our social media stuff is on there. We'll get back on the site very soon. Uh, other than that, have a great week. Have a good flight home, Andrew. I will. I will. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. See ya.